0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This eighth day of Christmas, the last day of the octave, commemorates a specific event which we just heard described in brief in the Gospel. On the eighth day, every Jewish boy was circumcised given his name, made him a member of the covenant of Abraham. The ceremony didn't take place in the temple, uh, as sometimes you might see it portrayed in sacred art. But at home, sometimes even the father uh, would do the ceremony, but not necessarily. And so today, today, In the traditional calendar and even in the Jesuit calendar, uh, the feast day makes mention of Our Lady and also the conferral of the name upon Jesus. Consider for a moment what it means to name things. It seems fairly pedestrian, not that big of a deal. We name our pets. We name our imaginary friends. Sometimes we give names to our homes or vehicles. But it's not all just frivolous. Remember God commanding Adam in the second account of creation to name the creatures. And in so doing exercised his dominion given by God over creation. To name something exercises authority over that thing. You felt it. I certainly have felt it many times. When someone gives you a nickname that you don't want, there's somehow... Exercising some kind of force over you. At least that's how it feels. Some kind of control. And so it's proper as human beings to name things, not just things, but everything. Not just flora and fauna, every living thing. We give names to objects and we categorize them. Certainly, we're not superstitious and assume that a name somehow reveals something about that person or that thing. But rather, as Christians, we know that we have been endowed with knowledge and wisdom. And sometimes our insight into the nature of a thing can be then expressed in the name we give it. Even simply in the, in the realm of philosophy is clearly the case. When we give a name to categories of things, and we describe something as a table and define what a table is, or a chair, or a candle... If the name has been given well, it actually is an expression of divine insight into what that thing actually is, its purpose, what it has in common with other things. And then certainly even more profound is the giving of a name to a baby. It was the second time I had been asked to be a godfather, But the first time that the parents asked me to give the baby a name. And so doing, you automatically set in motion that child will always have some kind of connection to people with the same name. And if that name is an honor of someone, they certainly will will grow to have uh, an affection for that person in whose honor they've been named. And as a Christian, they certainly will associate themselves and have an affinity for the saints in heaven who have the same name. And sometimes that name really is inspired by God. And so today the church doesn't merely mark the fact that our Lord got a name. But in a profound way, she recognizes that St. Joseph entrusted to the baby everything that God had asked him to do. St. Joseph was not merely compliant, but St. Joseph was and remained prompt in doing everything that was the will of the Father. Everything that needed to be given to this divine Son of His was given. And not just protection, but everything that a father teaches a son. Today, We also remember it's the first day of the year. Seemingly, truly inconsequential in comparison to the divine mysteries that we celebrate. It only just so happens that the eighth day of Christmas, the octave, is the first day of the year. But at the same time, we realize that as human beings, we not only give names to things, people, animals, places... We even give name to time, creating a calendar, giving names to months and days of the week. As Christians, we know that we've inherited most of this calendar, but we baptized it. Pope Gregory Thirteenth fixed it so that it was actually accurate astronomically. And in the same way that every natural thing predates Christianity, Christianity perfects everything. And so the marking of time is significant. It almost doesn't matter when the first day of the year is. But the fact that we keep track of time certainly matters. If someone does not believe in the Lord of history, the calendar only serves... To mark particular memories and keep track of when something happened, Sort of to organize your scrapbook. Or it helps you plan your next party or your next event. But we who believe in the Lord of history know that history has significance. It has a purpose. Not only marking the trajectory of an individual towards heaven... And thus collectively is the body of Christ towards the fulfillment of all things. But even as it corresponds to the passing on of civilization. Because the civilization that we have or what remains of it is Christian. And this calendar counts the years since the Incarnation. Maybe it's happened to you uh, in the last few weeks as people visit and gather and travel, maybe at at home in big gatherings or maybe out uh, in restaurants for dinner or in other public places. Probably you've seen some little one do something that made you think, my parents would never have tolerated that. My grandparents would not have permitted that in their home. Now, granted, we all misbehaved as children, and we need to be governed. But the thought occurred to me at one point over these Christmas holy days that these little ones are the ones to whom the entirety of civilization will be entrusted. It will be up to them to convey to the next generation not just knowledge about things, but the meanings of things. It will be their responsibility to know not only literature and history, but art and music and poetry. And if they don't learn it, and make a way of life out of it, it will be lost. It only takes one generation to lose everything. That thought hopefully weighs on you just enough to disturb you at least a little bit. And then we can turn the mirror on ourselves and and ask ourselves, have we perhaps fallen short of that mantle? How many times have we said about a you know, a heroic grandfather or uncle or whatever, if I were only half the man he was, I'd be happy. I use the example only because I've never said if I were half the woman that she was, I would be successful. But fill in the blanks, of course. We sell ourselves short. And we don't do honor to their, to their memory to say that. We need to be all the person they were to learn all of their virtue, all of their wisdom, to absorb all of their knowledge of things, and then even more. Because what we've been given isn't merely knowledge for the sake of uh, a job, a career, and the ability to support a family. What we have been given Is the flourishing of human life influenced by the Christian faith in the light of the incarnation and redeemed by the cross? It's a way of life, not just a set of beliefs that we superimpose on something else. if this seems a little exaggerated or perhaps disconnected from the feast we're celebrating today, consider it in light of she, whose name I conspicuously have not mentioned yet. Consider the Blessed Virgin Mary as the Mother of God. She's not simply been entrusted with civilization and has the task of forming a household around it and making sure that it passes on to future generations she's been entrusted with salvation itself with God in the flesh who will save us by dying on the cross As much as she, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, depended on God's help, not only protect, to protect her from original sin in the first place, but to sustain her, to guide her, to inspire her, and to fill her with grace. So do we. Our task isn't exactly equal, but it's approximate. It's approximate. Because the passing on of our Christian civilization to others is perhaps what will be our task of evangelization. So that other souls will know Jesus, love him and serve him and go to heaven. Today's feast day humbles us because we know our Lord not only was given a name, But he humbled himself to be subject to human governance. He was governed by Joseph and Mary. And he shows the noble dignity of being a Christian. Being a son or daughter of God. Not just to name things and to exercise dominion over creation. But to be bearers of grace Perfect that same creation, to be involved in the ongoing work of God the Father through Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord and King, and in our own way, we are kings and queens given the responsibility to rule with love, with wisdom, and grace, all made possible by the Holy Spirit. For good reason, the church bids us to pray to the Holy Spirit on the first day of the year, in the same way that on the last day of the year, the Te Deum is prayed in thanksgiving to God, On the first day of the year, the church offers as well a plenary indulgence to those who pray devoutly the Veni Creator Spiritus. We'll chant it in Latin after communion. For now, hear the words in English and let them form your hearts for the rest of this Holy Mass. Creator Spirit, come visit the souls that are yours. Fill with heavenly grace the hearts that you created. You are called by the names of Paraclete, gift of God most high, spring of life, fire, love, and the soul's anointing. Seven gifts are yours to give. You are the finger of the Father's right hand. You, the clear promise of the Father, give men's tongues the grace of speech. Kindle a light in our minds. Pour love into our hearts. And uphold with your unfailing strength the frailty of our human nature drive our enemy far from us, and give us always the gift of peace, so may it be that with your grace ever guiding us in this way, we may avoid all that is sinful. Grant that through you we may know the Father and the Son. And may we ever believe you to be the spirit of both the Father and the Son. To God the Father be glory, to the Son who rose from the dead, and to the paraclete for all ages. Amen.